the backwoods and the swamp waters of the Sunshine State and all across America and the world, this is the Big and Wild Outdoors with your host, Braden Gunn, Jonathan Swindle, and Bill George. Uh-oh, it has begun. Hour number three, the Big and Wild Outdoors. Thank you for joining us on this rainy Saturday morning as we all get ready to see where Elsa is going to go. We'll have to uh, kind of wait till after the weekend for that, so let's just not even worry about it just yet. Braden, Jonathan, Bill, George, Diego, and Steve's head sticking into the studio. Big hand John waited through the break. How you doing, Johnny boy? Hey, you guys, I'm doing fine. How's everybody? We're uh, staying inside, and so we're dry. <laughs> yeah, I can appreciate that. Just yeah. wanted to say happy 4th to everybody, and it's been a while since I've talked to you. I just wanted to check in and say hello. Oh, nice. What are you planning on Ready doing? for the season. What are you planning on doing well, on the 4th? Are you going to go out and make some noise in the driveway, or what are you going to do? No, nah, actually, I'm going to go down to a uh, American Legion and a VFW, a couple of local organizations check in with a few people a few friends veterans that's about it basically yeah well you could do much more than that you could uh be hanging out with a worse he, group of guys he, that's for sure you're, you're talking to a former marine he's blown up a lot of stuff in his life well that's true your your blown up days are pretty yeah. much behind you oh no they're never behind you. <laughs> <laughs> always ready to blow up somewhere it's, it's an acquired talent that you don't lose man well that that's true and it's always uh, good to have it in your repertoire no, you're john you're at that you're you're at that point in life where now you supervise the explosions sure. not the you know yeah that'd be nice but uh, well that's a good thing you're gonna go down and hang out with some vets that's that's a good deal man i like that yeah man that's about it how and I'm looking forward to the season. Looks like it's going to be fairly decent. Now, we need this rain for sure. Which season are you referring to? Gator, deer, hog, squirrel, what, what, what? All of the above. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just hunting I'm an season. equal opportunity shooter, man. Yeah. <laughs> I hunt? take advantage of it. I like to go archery and black powder and all of it. Are you going to do That's all of it? Are you going to stay here in yeah. Florida, or are you going to go anywhere besides here? Uh, no, I've got a place in Georgia I'm going to go check out that a friend of mine just acquired and a buddy of mine acquired some land out in Texas. He's shot. You guys were talking about Axis deer. He said he has Axis deer all over his property. Well, yeah, they're delicious. I'm going to run out there, check that out a little bit, and then a little stop in the Carolinas and then back to Florida. So I'm going to do a little bouncing around this year. That's awesome. I I like it. I noticed you skipped over Alabama, and uh, uh, maybe they could use your help because this is the first year that they're allowing – uh, people to be able to go out in the woods at night and shoot hogs with thermal imaging and stuff like that. And it's so funny because I read about three stories this past week about how Alabama hunters are wondering, well, what do we do with these pigs after we shoot them? <laughs> what, what do we what do we do with them? They're not used to, you know, uh, being indulged into wild hog meat, I guess, as much as they are in Texas or Florida and, and other places. Newsflash, they taste just as good if you shoot them in the dark as if you shoot them in the daylight. That is true. And, and, absolutely. And, Sometimes and, a little better because they're not as stressed. <laughs> yeah, and, the meat, and, the, and, and the meat stays cooler, so it's all good. Yeah. That's it. 
It's a win all the way around. It is. Uh, Well, uh, have a great season this year, man. We look forward to seeing some pictures. Yeah, definitely. I'll touch base with you guys when things happen, and everybody be safe. I'm uh, actually going to take a friend of mine over to Green Swamp West. He was lucky enough to get the hog draw in there. So Nice. There you go. He's never been in there. I've been in there several times a month. Well, you know, I I don't think a lot of people know about it, but – uh, you know, the FWC really did open it up this year, and they offer a lot of uh, summer wild hog hunts uh, throughout the year, so you don't just have to wait till November. I think it's like, uh, I think there's like 26 wildlife management areas that they're going to be offering uh, public hunting during the summertime, so you can go out there and run around out in the heat and do what you want to do and go do it. You just have to basically... Uh, go check uh, the FWC's website and see which ones are available. And you need a management stamp, of course, uh, to be able to do that. But other than that, you're not going to have to sit down. I mean, it's like the commercial said, hunting never really stops in the state of Florida, ever. Yeah, it's ever. true. Yeah, definitely. It, it never. Uh, it's always hunting season for something in this state. It doesn't matter what, what time of year it is. Although we always look at each other at the end of July and go, dude, it's deer season already. and so does the rest of the country the rest of the country looks at us and goes dude you guys are killing deer in july and you're like yep that's it man yeah yeah (laughs) certainly are but well good luck this year more than one usually yeah Yeah. man i'll keep yeah you guys be safe i'll keep in touch with everybody and uh you know hopefully it'll be a great year yeah it'll it'll be a good year it always is above ground is always a good good year Oh, absolutely. Yeah, man. All right, you guys be safe, man. See you, John. Have a good one, man. Take it easy. Stay dry. Stay dry. All right. right, Absolutely. (laughs) Well, Bill George walked out of the room. I was going to get him to go give us a rundown on his little gator seminar, but uh, while we're waiting on him, um, you know this as well as I do, and I know that I remember they – didn't they tag a deer in Florida one year with USF or something and said that this thing had gone like at a range of – like 70-something miles in his travels or something like that. I believe that. so. And uh, there was a big story that came out this this past week that said that uh, mature bucks travel up to 200 miles, eight and a half miles per day during the rut. And I always, I was like, dude, where can that be? I mean, um, I remember when I'd go out to Missouri, you'd see deer that you didn't see a week ago or a year ago or uh, two days ago, all of a sudden, they're in a new territory. The last big eight point that I shot out there, I told you the story. He came running around looking over his shoulder like somebody was, you know, getting ready to whoop his butt. You know, he was looking back and something spooked him out of where he normally was because when this thing appeared, I was like, where in the world did you come from? Where have you been all out week? Out of the ground. Yeah. Where have you been all week? But that was pretty amazing that the story, they, they collared a buck and uh, this sucker did uh, over close to 200 miles over 22 days, moving average of eight and a half miles per day. Now, that's a traveling salesman. Dude, out there, uh, they said he crossed uh, a major river seven times, an interstate highway, a railroad, uh, eight state highways, all in search of uh, new territory and uh, fembots all over the place. The, did they name him Johnny Appleseed or no? Uh, the Wanderer of the Woods. Yeah. No, no. Uh, and you know what? It wasn't like circle back or anything like that. 
this was like a straight line kind of wandering thing. I mean, he went from point A to point B, but it was kind of like in a zigzaggy kind of pattern, but never looped back to where he came from. So hmm. unless he was pushed out of a territory, he just basically went on a little walkabout uh, in a zigzag, zigzag, zigzag line in 22 days, almost covered 200 well, miles. Well, and like we talk about, me and Bill talked about it the last couple times with land management and stuff like that. You get those old established boss does and stuff like that. I mean, people could say what they want to. Yeah, women run the world. I guess in the whitetail world, it's kind of the same thing too because there's so many times that those old does and stuff like that, they run, they're worse about running the bucks off than the actual other bucks are. Especially young ones. Young bucks that are out there kind of frisky. Yeah. You know, chasing does a little early or a little late or, you know, whatever that kind of – the kind of mama hen that's out there in the middle of the Boy, group. Boy, don't you bring that mess over here. Yeah, she's out there snorting and scrapping and kicking and ears back and uh, just keep on going. Yeah. Don't <laughs> leave look. Don't leave these young girls alone. Go on, keep going, keep moving along. And uh, River's over there. Bye. You just had to bring her up, didn't you? I never did get her, man. She ruined my, my four hunts, man, on me out of Missouri, and I swore, man, I was going to get her by the end of the week. I was taking her out of the herd. Never happened. Hopefully somebody got her. little revenge. That's my wife's job. Taking a break. It is the Big and Wild Outdoors. We are uh, the Big and Wild. If you want to call, it's 888-404-1010. It's 888-404-1010. Braden Jonathan, Bill George Diego taking a break. Brought to you by Brandon Ford. We'll be back. Welcome back, Big and Wild Outdoors. Okay, we're going to go back for the last two weeks for about five minutes because all of a sudden, Precious just decided that he had to take a bathroom break two seconds before we go back on air. Well, I turn around. I know we talked about it with Bill Burkett and mentioned it a few different times out there at G5 on July uh, 17th from 11 to 1. I'm going to be out there doing an alligator seminar. FWC is not doing any live in-person things. They do have on their website there where you can go watch a, a somewhat training video. Um, but it, it's always helpful when you have interactive dialogue. People can ask questions. We'll go through. People will be able to have questions out there at that event. We're also going to turn around. There will be some raffles, giveaways. We'll be probably giving away a harpoon. We usually give away a bang stick and some hooks. And then um, G5 has a number of things that they, they throw into the hat for door prizes and everything else also. Um, but but we'll be out there talking gator hunting. And we're probably going to be uh, cooking some alligator again and possibly showing people how to cut some alligator up as well as how to, how to try to get your own well, alligator. Well, and it's kind of like we've always done before at the shop and everything else, there are always going to be those people who can read or look at or whatever, and, you know, they're okay. 
Then there's the people like me that, like you said, I'm more of the go to your alligator seminar and stuff like that because I want to see it. Somebody show me, somebody hands on, this is how you're supposed to do it. This is a good way to do it. I can tell you, you know, learning from somebody else who already knows something is so much easier than making all the mistakes yourself. If you're willing to listen to other people, um, whether or not that's fishing in the, in the, the bay, oh, you, yes. know, you can go out there, pay the money, go out with somebody who's like a charter captain, go out there, enjoy yourself, catch some fish. A lot of them will give you a little bit of information as you're doing it. It's not about going and finding the spot because the fish move. Fish move times a day, different tides, everything moves. But when you learn, you learn the processes, then you can turn around, and go out there, and apply that to wherever you need to fish, or in this particular case, alligator hunt. Different people say, "Well, what's the best boat for it?" Well, where am I hunting? You know, if I'm hunting in a phosphate pit. And their boat's not doing me any good at whatsoever. Exactly. Okay? Because it's, it's deep water, and, and that technique is different than if I'm on a place like Lake Okeechobee or Lake Kissimmee. Uh, you know, I may be better suited to be in an airboat there. Uh, so different techniques, different ways of doing it. Uh, you know, everybody has their, their own little thing, uh, how they want to do it. And there's different ways you can do it. You turn around, look at... Uh, some of my buddies, they the airboat, we run them down, that alligator. It is a pure adrenaline e-ticket ride rush. You're chasing down these alligators. Sometimes they're swimming underwater. You're chasing down, sucking in behind them, and we're harpooning them underwater as they're swimming away. You know, that that's one flavor of it. The other is you sit out there, you sneak up, you try and snag them, cast them, bubble trail, We'll be talking about all that type of stuff out there on the 17th at G5. They run into the re the reeds and what oh, happens yeah. with us. So yeah. We sit there and fight them for 45 <laughs> minutes. And, and if, you don't, if, if you don't get them under control in a timely manner, and you, yeah, you, you know, yeah they, they go bury dad, up in the weeds. Dad, and dad, dad looks at the daughter and says, guess what? I don't care if this sucker's three foot long. You're going <laughs> to knock him in the head when we get him out of these weeds. <laughs> yeah. It, in that particular one with your daughter, we had him at the side of the boat, but she couldn't she couldn't Whew. see what we saw because she's not used to looking exactly. At that. And and last year, Mike, who's been on the show quite a bit, uh, he came to the seminar. And we ended up going out to hunt with him and and trying to show them a few things. And and he can tell you the difference between capitalizing on something and what you see. You know, just because you have him hooked or anything like that, don't mean he's an alligator in the boat. You it's know? not a sure. Nothing is ever a sure thing. No, those things in, in the. I mean, last minute they can break rods, break lines. It's amazing. Let's let's face it, and I know we've talked about this, and I know we've all you guys have said this to me a hundred times, and I know this, especially with them big alligators. You're, it's all in a matter of fact. If he makes his mind up that oh. he wants to go, he's gonna he, go. He's going somewhere. He he's gonna go. Yeah. It's not. You're not gonna stop him. <laughs> and I've had some rope burns on the hands trying to hold on to him and everything else. But uh, the 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 part that I like and really makes me laugh and giggle is when one whips her tail and literally 
puts an inch or two of water in a boat and all over everybody when they do that and everybody's left Wake looking up. at each other. It's like, whoa. All of a sudden we have your attention now. Yeah. And I know I know Bill and them out there at Chief Hive, they're gonna turn around, they're gonna they're gonna be doing some uh cooking out there usually on the green egg. They're gonna do that. We're gonna look to have he, some gator going in their Cajun fryers that they carry out there. I know Glenn has used those at the Wild Game Cookout. It's amazing how much fish you can put through those. They're not the size of a big, humongous commercial fryer, but uh, they, they, just they do much. have that where your heat is not directly where oh, all I your sediment them. is sitting in the oil. So it, you're you're not burning your oil. Well, and, and the heat, like you said, it's indirect heat. And I know people that have them that, you know, and some people will say when I've said this before to them that they look at me and they're like, oh, yeah. I, I know people in my family who have them that will tell you that they put the oil in them and they don't have to change the oil for a year just yeah. about because there's never any direct heat. Like yeah. you said, the sediment's All always. All the sediment goes down to the bottom of the tank and it's not sitting yeah. where the burner's going. And everything always tastes good when they come out of them. It doesn't taste burnt. Man, I'm ready for it already. And that's going to be here quick. That's going to be here quick. Two weeks away. The the girls, I laugh, you say that. The girls that do my IV that I've been getting for my little gout situation that I'm dealing with, uh, they might get a special treat Wednesday Mm. since, uh, you know, it was one of those situations of – you know, we, we don't eat while we don't we don't want to eat Bambi or anything else. And I took him some of Al's uh, sausage in there one morning for breakfast. Yeah, let's just say that there's a lot of uh, ladies in there that are placing orders for the upcoming season. If we happen to get an extra dough or the, two, the, the when you have something like that process into to, to some of those sausages or meat sticks or anything, it's it's just amazing. We do a lot of our, our own process and have for eons. And if, if I can make it into meat sticks, there is no Well, shortage. and it's like you said before. I always love that fact of getting people that you know will eat. They'll eat a steak. They'll eat a hamburger. They'll eat hot dogs. They eat pork chops. They eat, but they're the first people that look at you and go, oh, man, I can't go shoot Bambi or I can't yeah. do then well, you get them to eat worry. wild game, and it's like, oh, now I understand. And in part for me isn't isn't so much that I want to change their mind that they need to go hunt. Yeah, they're gonna the they're you want them to understand desire. like me the why you enjoy to go and do Correct. it and harvest the animals. And, and and when I tell them they're tasty and and everything, and then all, all of a sudden you start sharing some of your harvest with them. Yeah, and. and and all that it 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 really to me you got to keep all those people like that understanding about what we do because you know we're constantly being attacked by those who do not want us doing it do not want us fishing do not want us hunting do not want and you know we're we're constantly under attack and and it's it's not so much who's going to be fighting on the front lines with you but you you don't want them on the other side. Well, it's know. always it was always like I was told when we did the hunting is good thing and everything else. You got the ten percent for and the ten percent against. Yeah, it's the eighty percent in the middle that 
you know, and, what are you going to do with them? And my brother, he's been taking some out to, for that hunters of hungry. He's been shooting some hogs, taking them over there for the hunters for the hungry and getting some meat donated to them. Yeah. And so. Oh, well, he's back from his bathroom break. Steve caught me in the hallway. What am I supposed to do? Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> Steve, I love it when Steve catches you in the hallway. Got a minute? Yeah, sure. I got a minute. Uh, Steve, it's been like five minutes. I got to go, man. Yeah, I got to go. I got to well, go. Or I'm on Q105. I got to get out of here. So it's like, well, I'm we were just talking about the event out there at G5. I know. I don't know. Do you have a flyer with you? or? I don't have it with me, no. Uh, we have plenty of them on the counter at there at the store. Uh, I know that saw them yesterday when I was in there getting my oats for my hurricane prep for all the hogs. I saw your... Uh, Saw your smiling face there on the uh, cover of the uh, flyer and all that kind of good stuff, talking about the seminars and all that stuff. I know that uh, we kind of got fully stocked there, so we're ready to go. I mean, we got the bang sticks, the hooks, the wicked lights, and uh, all the other necessities. If you wanted to bring something extra, sure, go right ahead. Do what you got to do. And, And I had the wicked light out the other day. I have confirmed that I am good in the event that if I need to, I have a, a whole series of big, humongous bullfrogs ready for harvesting. Hurricane prep food? Oh, Is yeah, that what you got yeah, sitting you out d- there? there? No sense in putting them in the freezer of the pot right no, now. You know, no. Kind of like your squirrels. Yeah, you, you got to keep you, them there. You know that in the event something happens... Got a fresh crop yeah, of uh, I, young ducks running around through the neighborhood now, man. It's <laughs> it's it's all good, just in time for hurricane hey, season. So it's all anybody, good. But if anybody needs anything for the freezer, just hit me up real quick because I've got two hogs at the house that are ready to go in the ready freezer. What do you mean? They're alive and ready to go. They're ready to be took oh, to the processor. So their their show days are over. So now it's all uh, now it's on to the glory days. Now it's their pork chop days. Aren't you going to take them out to your boys out there, your processor or whatever, and get no, them turned I'm going to sell them to somebody, and I'll take them to the processor for them. Oh, okay. How big are they? Uh, between 250 and 300 pounds. 250 to 300 pounds of good eating Fat, pork. Fat, sassy, and ready to roll. That have been pampered, baby rubbed, everything else. I mean, it's like Wagyu pork. Pretty much. <laughs> Your daughter's out there doing the soy rub on them every morning, looking, getting them ready. Yeah, exactly. awesome. All right, we're taking a break. It is the Big and Wild Outdoors. Brayden Jonathan, Bill George Diego, we're all here. We'll be back. Welcome back, everybody. Big and Wild Outdoors. Bring Gun, John Swindle, Bill George. Here you go. Before we get into uh, whatever it is we're going to shoot at next, if you... You heard the commercial. ...would like to have a pair of tickets to go to the expo coming up in July over in Lakeland. It's now officially called... The Open oh, Season Expo. The Open Season Expo. 
Uh, you are more than welcome to go and hang out with us. We will promptly give you a pair of tickets if you are caller number four. If you are caller number four, we will put your name on the list. It'll be a will call. All you got to do is show up with your ID, and then they'll strap a wristband on you and go that way. Go on in and have a good time. To and all the fun and merriment. So we're going to uh, cover the cost of you getting in. If you would like a pair of the said tickets, uh, give us a call, 888-404-1010. That's 888-404-1010. It's pretty simple. And it looks like we got some people calling right now. Yep. So uh, call in and uh, hit Place your bets. Place your bets. Well, I know everybody's getting ready for the fourth, but I want to keep going back over the, you know, we got a potential storm coming. And and those come with different things, different issues at different times. The majority of people who, who have fatalities or something like that end up driving a car in a ditch full of water, you know, um, or the other big one that I constantly see is somebody decided it was raining outside, so they put the generator in their garage, and they were running oh, the, idea. the generator in a garage or in a house and end up with carbon monoxide poisoning. Um, so, you know, for me, I don't, I'm don't. i not too worried about this particular storm, but I will turn around. I will, I will go and load up on some fuel just in case because I can always use it in the mower anyways, but I will, I will fill up some gas tanks and I will turn around, have gas, have propane. I have, charcoal. About, I have about five propane cylinders yeah. that, you know, we just went up there to the panfish challenge and I, I used a bit of propane up there. So I'll top off my propane tanks. And, and between that, I got, I got, propane to cook on i got propane instant hot water heaters the generator will run the house and keep us cool in the evening and keep some freezers frozen and and um well and i laugh because everybody's asked me since we went through michael up there in north florida it's not like you said it's not the the it's with this a storm like this you don't look at it, okay, 60, 75-mile-an-hour winds. Yeah, you're going to have some broken limbs. You're going to have some of this. You're going to have some of that and everything else. The biggest thing right now that you have to worry about, and you hit the nail on the head, is we've been getting an inch of rain probably, if not more, for you know oh, every, right. every day. Uh, so, it's been a monsoon over my place. You know, for me, it's, I always tell people when they ask the questions to me about it, is go out there and like your ditches or your runoffs or stuff like that. Make sure it's all cleared out. Oh, yeah. Make sure everything's you know. Yeah. Because the stand, like you said, standing water is just as dangerous as people anything. make a turn. They can't see how deep it is, and all of a sudden you think you're turning into a a side street, and you go off into a ditch, and yeah, and now you're underwater. Um, you know, it's just it's just can get bad quick it can be and it's always good to be prepared and uh be one of those people who's not uh shown on television uh going through uh hell you know seriously yeah. but uh you know it's funny we're, we're sitting here preparing for uh hurricane season here of course in florida and then talking with my sister uh who lives out in fresno california uh she sent me a story she said uh california is 
getting all their they're getting ready for wildfire season and they're gonna now that they had such bad devastating uh, fires with the droughts and stuff over the past what three or four years you know that's all you see is these things she she said I thought it was funny that one of the initiatives that California has introduced to help reduce ca- uh, wildfire uh, wildfires is not just making bricks uh, breaks you know between homes and woods. But what do you think would be one of the easiest, most effective ways to uh, keep wildfires down in California? Control burns. Okay, now they did a couple of control burns on some small areas, and they're going to replant them with um, uh, with low grass areas so that it doesn't allow higher uh, brush and stuff to grow. What would be your second one that you would do? Uh, what did my dad do to get rid of all the underbrush and everything out there when he bought goats? all that land? Goats. <laughs> turn oh my a bunch gosh, of, I guessed it. Turn a bunch of goats and cows and sheep. Oh, uh, no, not cows. Yes, cows as well. They want to put cows out so that it'll help to knock down, keep the grazing level. Of course, sheep always bite everything at ground level, and goats take care of the stuff in the mid-range level. So you have the three-tier approach for them to clear out underbrush. And I uh, I remember I wrote her back. I said, how can this be possible? That California is actually actively putting out animals to emit greenhouse gases as they clear the land. Uh, this is, incri- this is insanity. Are they going to have a barn to put them in every night so they, they can stay in shelter? No. No, they're going to put them out there so they can roam and, uh, and munch. So we're going to and- create wild cattle. Uh, not necessarily. They're going to be put in fenced areas. They'll like, well, you know, what you do when you used to do the hog pens is you just rotate them around. You know, when they root up everything, get everything cleared out of here, you just move the hog pen over, flip over the fence line to three sides and move them to the other side. They do it over there and you just clean the areas out instead of just, I don't understand why, especially with goats, just turn them loose. Goats take care of themselves, man. I mean, they'll they'll find a place to bed it, down. They'll hang out. They'll find their own but, dang water. But, and like I said, that's the thing that drives me nuts with people when they do some of these initiatives. They realize that without a contact from a human being that these animals will become feral. And, I mean. Well, they're using the cows oh basically on grassland area to keep that, you know, from, from, oh yeah. from getting a threat. Grassland fire. Which really doesn't do that much. If you ever seen a hayfield burn, it's it's not that dramatic. But uh, there's fifty five thousand acres in a preserve that they're going to initiate, uh, put the goat and sheep in there, and just turn them loose and let them do their thing. Which I was like, why didn't they do that all along? <laughs> why wouldn't you do that yeah, all along? But that's a very small area. Yeah, fifty five acres. You know, I mean, but but if it works that good in one area, hopefully. It'll open up spots in other areas where they'll do that, well, and then that way, that way also you're adding a food source into the element that all the mountain lions can. Uh, yeah, there you go. Take care of without having well, to eat people all walking down trails and well, stuff. The thing is, the part that's important is you don't have to necessarily do this to an entire area. You have to create natural breaks, you know, where the fire will run up to that spot that's been maintained that's what they're gonna and do then stop 
Yeah. You know, you, you're not going to turn around, take all your wild area and, and, and do something like this, too. But if you can keep create some fire lines where that fuel sur- source isn't so high, you know, it you can minimize how long you have to fight that fire. Uh, and then there was another story that came out that I thought was kind of counterintuitive, but uh, it was up to kind of like what Carlos always said when it came to the red tide. And when we opened up Tampa Bay, everybody was concerned about the red tide bloom going just through the roof because of the spill that came out of there at Piney Point. Yep. And, uh, of course, you know, Carlos was the one that was advocating well, then they should open it up and increase the limits so we could go out there and catch more fish that are going to end up dead and floating around anyway, right? Yep. And uh, everybody kind of goes, ah, oh, that, that's stupid. He can't do Because of the drought and hot temperatures that are increasing out in Utah, you know what Utah has done? Increased all the limits on catching for fish because they'd rather have you take them home and eat them than have them die off in the drought if, if the pond's dry enough. So it's basically well, and you're taking the load off of the. I mean that. Yeah, because you're well, leaving more oxygen. You take more fish out of there, and the the lesser amount of oxygen means that uh, fish will actually well, live. And and you talk about the red tide in Tampa Bay. I've seen more red tide, and I don't know if it's due to more sampling or if it, but it seems to be up in the bay a little bit more. While people want to point at Piney Point for that that particular stuff i don't know what it is but if we've got a massive rain event coming the thing that concerns me is how much more water is going to end up in that reservoir that they're now going to have to try and do something with because because um, i'm not for dumping i'm not for flushing the stuff into the bay you know i just hey just, like i said to you earlier fresh water kills it let's it, roll if it couldn't go all over the ground out there why is it good to dump it into the bay? It, it just it just makes no sense. Maybe they could fill up tanker trucks full of the water and go spread it out on sod farms. Maybe. Well, why not? I know a place in Parrish that there was uh, some of the best tomatoes and some of the best <laughs> cattle hay I've ever seen, and it's reclaimed water. Yeah, you use that uh, high, uh, high phosphorus stuff out there, high nitrogen, man. That would be perfect to put on sod fields, man. Fill it up with tank, fill up tanker trucks and send them out there and spread it out there. Spread the love. And plants will hold on to it. And and then maybe it'll glow in the dark grass. That'll be awesome. All right, we're taking a break. It is a big and wild outdoor. Did you get a winner, by the way? John? John won? John, is that who won? Awesome. Congratulations, John. We hope to see you out there pretty soon. See you there. All right, we're gonna take a break. We'll be right back. got a uh steve's here in the studio just coming in to give me more gray hair he's on this gotta gotta get a 26 gotta get a nozzler i need a nozzler i gotta get a 27 i gotta get people make it that i've seen is, is remington 
Yeah, Remington. I know. I think that's the only one that makes yeah. it. But do you know what, what model? $3,500. How much? $3,500. For that, for a Remington rifle. I don't uh, know Remington's asking, but Nasr wants 3500 Oh, for their rifle? Yeah. yeah. I wonder who's building that for them. I guess they're doing it uh, I don't know, in-house. I, or? I could shoot those pigeons a lot farther away than I'm shooting them now. <laughs> <laughs> See that pigeon there, 2,000 hey, yards, what's he ranged at? I've got a 300-short mag nozzler, and I love that rifle. It's a great round, and uh, it's one of the top 10 long-distance shooters that are out there, uh, according to Field and Stream, by the way. In but case you're you telling him know. he don't want it. <laughs> and then you go buy one, because I did. Maybe. You told me the same thing about 7-millimeter <laughs> 08. What do you want that for? I do like seven millimeter because right? I want one. Well, yeah. You went and bought one, didn't you? Well, I didn't buy it for me. I uh, bought it for the uh, child. I bought it for the young one. I I I, I didn't buy it for myself. You and, just had to shoot it to get it sighted in, though. Yeah, which was which actually was pretty fun. What I you know what I did this to Bill George. I'm going to do the same thing to you. What would be the preferred reason why you want a uh, rifle that's literally a flat shooter uh, out to said long distances with lots of energy. Because I figure Chinese soldiers won't be any farther than that. <laughs> okay. That's a joke. <laughs> I kid. I kid. Uh, I don't. No, I'm just kidding. Nah. That scared me the other day. I was looking at their army. 2.7 million. They're up two hundred thousand because it used to be uh, uh, two five is what it used to be, well, two five in the. Uh, I guess they got some new conscripts you from know, uh, we North got Korea. Eighty million in this country. Yeah, and yeah. Sleepy Joe. Yeah, that's true. Um, uh, I saw a meme this past week that said, uh, "Remember this weekend? Remember the Fourth of July? You could say thanks to all those guys who were all the previous gun owners in the United States." Because yeah. without those previous gun owners, they would and, not be. And we're the only reason in England they're not speaking fluent German and France. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We shipped our guns yeah. through the NRA to them to fight with. And then what did they do? They cut them in half after the war. Yeah. yeah. Well, there were a few that survived, but then when they made guns illegal, they were turn them in. And it was sad to see a lot of Colts and uh, yeah. uh, Brownings, Brownings yeah, all that stuff being uh, turned in and why did I they? Got, I got a humpback auto five. It's only been shot about ten times. Remember me and you took it hunting. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Gold that trigger. was your dad's All one. That swirly design. Yeah, yeah, brand new. Still yeah, brand new. Yeah, you want to get rid of it? I, nah, I might... man. Pop left me some good stuff. Really? Yeah. I got this nozzler sitting around with nothing to do. We I... can talk. Okay. <laughs> oh <laughs> my lord! I can't trade anything. It was his. Uh... Right, Bill. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> they don't call him the best colored man in the business. That's true. Yeah. And that one's out of here. Out of where? Just a bit outside. Ah, it's all good. Ah, uh, well, you know what it is? It's when you find a rifle and you find a cartridge that you think is going to be the uh, the holy grail of the end all do all. Then yeah, sure. I can't. I can't. And you go it. into the store. You don't listen to the Braden guns of the world. That's the gun you want. You go get the gun you want. I've never listened to them on guns. I just asked the question, like, what are you going to use it for? Uh, and um, what are you going to do with it? Well, when you get that answer, then I give them the Bill George retort. And I'm like, well, then get a 300 Win Mag. I, I mean, that way. 300 Win Mag. I, I, didn't, I didn't love it. Well, because you didn't like the recoil. Hey, you know, you know how I look at it? It's just like with my wife. Why do you need this black pair of shoes when okay. you got this black pair of shoes? Because it's a different color black. Okay, honey. 
<laughs> and it's got different heels on it. That. Because this pair of black shoes will kill a bear from 900 yards. There you go. <laughs> Problem solved. Yeah. Right, Bill? Wrong. What? What? What do you mean, wrong? 900 yards too far. Too far. No, nobody should be shooting that far. What? How, what, how far is not too far? What did you say? I, well, if I'm shooting an elk, I think 400 yards is far enough. The 6.8 Western will kill a deer literally, figuratively, and fat. There, and there, fast there, and, and quickly, uh, it has almost 1,000 foot-pounds of energy at 1,000 yards. We'll kill a deer there, at 1,000 there, yards. There's a 5x5 five five bull elk hanging on the wall in Lake Wales that I will be seeing tomorrow that I know was killed at 450 yards yes, by a 300 mag. How far did Yoda shoot that elk with that 300 Ultra Mag that no he did? Idea. Well, that was across two canyons. It was at least 600 yards. Yeah. So you know, it's nice to be able to have there, that there ability. Not many people can can make those shots consistently, though, and I just don't believe in exactly wounding animals or or trying crazy shots. Not probably not a good thing to be teaching a kid unless his life's on the line. Now, if I got paratroopers landing in a field at 800 yards, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a chance and make that <laughs> shot. <laughs> at least put a Center couple over, put a couple over the bow, let them know I'm here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That, yeah, that kind of thing. Sure, why not? Red Dawn, sure. Why, Keep their heads uh, down. Yeah, especially if they have blue helmets on. Great targets. Yeah. Easy. What? Again, you're kidding, right? <laughs> Are you talking to me or are oh, you yeah, talking to Steve? I'm just saying. Somebody help me out here. Or is he? Or is he? Kevin Ebel sent me a birthday card that says, Lips? It's a great birthday. Or is it? <laughs> With a picture of Keith Morrison. <laughs> oh, man. I saw that. What's his name? That you do the catcher predator guy. There was some big uh, thing. He's that, a, he's, they're looking for him. They're the, going to arrest him. Yeah. Why were they arresting him? He uh, didn't show up for a trial that he was supposed to be at. I oh. guess he was called as a witness or something. Blew it off. Oh. Which judges frown on that sort of thing. I was hoping it wasn't for the other thing. You know that uh, you know being that close to it uh, no, somehow or another no, he got I don't that think dirt on him. Anything like that, but. That's amazing. If 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 that were the case, everybody in Biden's cabinet would be under indictment. <laughs> If it's a, I love it. Now, how come you didn't ask him that question? I love it. When uh, are, he you comes in here. are you not, kidding? I'm, are you kidding? Are you only kidding? Because no. he's not, because I wouldn't be kidding either. Yeah, he's not. Oh, man. Right, Bill? I wouldn't shoot that far. Yeah. Roger that. Yes, he would. He's got, he's got a 300 win mag. Or He'll take a 400 yard shot. The advanced stage where if I had a big, giant 5x5 five five elk and he was about 500 yards and I had a rifle get hit him, I'd probably give it a shot. Of course you would. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't I? I, I shoot my 300, and I think the furthest I've ever shot is 150 yards. Then I have to ask you why you actually have the 300 win back. None of your business. Well, it is none of my business. Exactly. If it's 150 yards, you could do that with a 44 mag. When I get out the I could. Or you could do it with your 7mm 08 pistol. Well, yeah, we could, but, but one day when I actually get to go out west and actually hunt something where I can see more than 150 yards, yeah, you know, I that, don't. That, even when I'm in PA, I'm in timber, so you may be able to shoot further than that, but there's a tree density you, that d- dictates that. This mister, I want to shoot something with a 50 well, BMG. But you get an education like what he's saying when you go out west and you get out there with those guys who are their our hundred yard shot. Is a 300, 350 yard shot for them. Yeah. Like when the first time, the time we went out there, 
I remember the very first morning we were sitting there, sky breaks, everything, beautiful. Elk out in the field, there's the bull. Okay, get ready to shoot. And I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? And it was literally the bull was probably 375 when he's telling me to shoot, and he's turning and fixing to go away. And I'm like, uh-uh. You ain't. He's like, there's your shot. You just missed your shot. So <laughs> Get in the truck. <laughs> you know, it's like. <laughs> Let's close that gap a little bit. Okay. All right, I got to go set country music back 20 years. Okay, good there for you. you. See you guys later. Say hi to Merle yeah. Haggard for hi, me. But oh, there'll be no Merle Haggard. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, you just play some Garth. Garth, Garth. Yeah. Is he still alive? The, thing the fourth Tixie yeah. Chick? Yeah, the fourth. Yeah. <laughs> See, it, Steve, you know, it's it's funny because he brings that up. Oh, wait, up. excuse me. The fourth chick. Sorry, they're not the Dixie Chicks anymore. Uh, when I was out in Wyoming, I, I'd look at all these uh, all these antelopes that Cody had shot over his uh, career as a young man. I think he was about 14 then. And I was like, what did you use to shoot all these? And he says, I shoot a 257 Roberts. <clears throat> and I said, 257 Roberts, man, that's a that's a laser beam. He goes, yeah, that's why I need it out here. He said, our average shot is probably four or 500 yards. I said, why are you shooting an antelope at 400 yards? Can't you do the crawl? He says, man, you don't have enough time. He says, if you see the one you want and he stops for a moment, you better take the shot there, because well, they're going to the, boogity boogity. There's, and is, there's your gone. shot, and you keep shooting. If he's moving, you're shooting. But but for me, if you're going to shoot anything like that, you need to practice shooting like that. You need to know what your ability is. It doesn't matter what the ability of the weapon is, the caliber is, or anything else. You need to know you are usually the limiting factor on how That is true. And and you can kill something with a, a smaller rifle if if you turn around and you have the ability to do that pinpoint shot where exactly where you need it. Uh, the 300 Win Mag, when I was young, I turned around, I looked at, if I'm going to buy one firearm that will allow me to hunt just about anything in North America, that's it. It may be a little bit more than what I need on some things, but I've said it. I say it again. There's only one level of dead, and and you're skinning you know, it, and and it's not blowing it up into pieces. Uh, though I, I will tell you that if you hit a ham or a shoulder or something like that, it's going to be devastating. But if you if you punch it through the ribs, yeah, you're not going to be eating a few ribs. The well, reason why, when people would ask me and they'd say, "Why do you go out to Wyoming and shoot prairie dogs?" I say, "Well, for one, it's I'm out there." helping to control the population, as you talked about with groundhogs in the first yes. hour in Pennsylvania. I said, plus, once you start, as he, as Jonathan pointed out, you start out at 150 yards and it gets too easy. Then it starts out at 200 yards and it gets a lot easier. Then you're 300 yards, it's easy. And by the, by the last day you're there, you're shooting at him anywhere from six to 900 yards. Look, and yeah. if you can hit a fat Coke bottle, for at six or nine hundred yards with a bullet that has the drift capabilities of going twelve to four feet either way because of the wind blowing, you learn a lot, you get a great education, and you learn how to hit something that far away consistently. And it may not be a headshot every time and it may may hit at its feet at nine hundred yards, but if you put a pie plate out there and you put that on an elk and you're shooting at that same distance. You're shooting at a car window. At the same thing, it's a lot bigger target, and it's a lot narrower well, target. Shoot small, miss small. You know what I mean? Aim small, miss small. In archery, so, everybody always gives me this grief with archery. 
when I would go to Illinois and places like that, we would have that same conversation we just had with Steve. What's your effective range? I'm like, 80 yards. Well, huh? I'm shooting at a 24 by 24 square. Guess what? You know, I'm not driving that far, not taking a chance if I can make the shot. Darn so, right. Creep it in if you got to. Well, it's good to be back. Enjoy your Saturday. Please be careful. Be safe. Be careful on the 4th of July. It's going to be crazy out there. Watch the storm. And we'll see you guys next Saturday. It's the Bigger Wild Outdoors. Brought to you by Brandon Ford. See you guys.